From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. What a joy to be with you again. I'm excited because we have some different people in the room today. But first of all, we need to introduce ourselves before getting into that. I am Scott Armstrong, and to my right is AJ Fry. Hi, guys. To my left, Emily Armstrong. Hey, everyone. Back from the dead. Oh, no. <laughs> no, that's not true. She, really? she, she wasn't with us for the last five episodes Aww. because uh, because she had been in contact with someone uh, that had COVID. So, But you're back with us, Natalie Franco. Hey, guys. How are you? <laughs> and then across from me, Chelsea Fry. Fun facts with Chelsea. Fun fact, this week as we record, it is Fat Bear Week. (laughs) Fat Bear Week. Now, not when they're hearing this, but when we're recording. Correct. What does that even mean? You know how on Discovery Channel they have Shark Week? Or they had another one, too. That was like a, they do like episodes on sharks, like different kinds of sharks on Discovery Channel. Is You're it like that? I do know my that. Is it like that? <laughs> it's not what it is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It kind of is. So in Alaska, during this time in autumn is when bears are like bulking up and eating all of their food. And For winter. Yes. Hibernation. Yes. But Alaska, a park in Alaska to like promote tourism has created an entire bracket of you can vote on which bear you think is the fattest. Like a tournament. There's no weight involved. They don't actually weigh the bears. Right, you just guess. You just guess. That's amazing. And so every day you can go onto their website and you can vote in the poll of which bear you want to be the fattest. It's the the epitome of the popularity poll, right? Yes. Yes. So... It's fun. It's fun to know that that exists. It happens between (laughs) September 3rd and October 6th every year. So next year, when now that you know, you can vote. And vote and celebrate. <laughs> yes. I'm so pumped. Celebrate your favorite. I'm, I'm rooting for, um, his name is Otis. 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 Yes. I like that name. <laughs> well, That's amazing. This is a great fun fact. And we're going to move from Alaska to Jamaica. <laughs> Where they because, also have fat See, it was, on, it was on point this time. <laughs> and we are, we are going to be interviewing a missionary. I can even say a new missionary as of, I think, May. You can, you can help us with this. But Carl. Carlos Gordon is joining us from Jamaica uh, and in a few weeks going to be sent to be the regional finance coordinator. He's already serving as that, but to be in Africa as their regional finance coordinator. So welcome, first of all, Carlos Gordon. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. (laughs) (laughs) So I just we're going to dive in and we just want to interview you and just kind of know who you are. And uh, first of all, how are you? How is your family in this time of of COVID-19 and the pandemic? Well, we are all doing well. We are giving God thanks. We've been protected. We've been spared. Um, We know that many families have been affected, you know, in various ways um, due to this pandemic. But for the most part, God has been gracious to us and we thank him for it. What has your ministry looked like in the last six months? Because literally start of 2020, you were not doing what you are currently doing. Not at all. The ministry has taken a completely different form. I have never been a part of so many Zoom meetings. 
um, in my life, I suffer from Zoom fatigue daily, <laughs> daily meeting after meeting. Um, even with going to church, you know, it was so awkward when we were able to meet back physically because you had these awkward moments and you could see everyone in the congregation trying to go in to give someone a hug because they haven't seen them in so long and going, wait, no, we can't do that. And so we are a, a, a family or church is, is not that large. And so we're used to hugging and holding hands. And so it was a little challenging coming in, seeing everyone in masks and not being able to touch. And they're all the way over there away from us. But we still got give God thanks because we still were able to meet from time to time. And we thank him for the technology as well, that we are still able to connect even virtually. And his word is spreading. So we, we have a lot to give thanks about even in this time. Absolutely. I should mention that you come from a church that is very missional. Uh, they have been creatively, even in this time, virtually interviewing us. I remember they interviewed us and our kids, but also they've been supporting you in this time. So I want to kind of open it up and we have lots of different questions, maybe some serious and some not so serious. But Emily, would you like to start? Yeah, well, I think it would be remiss to not ask you about how you knew that you were called to be a missionary. If you could just give us kind of a brief snapshot of, I think a lot of people feel like they're called to serve the church, but how did you know that your call was a missionary call? Well, to be honest with you, I didn't know, but there were persons who around me who I interacted with who knew and they provided the relevant um, guidance that was given. So even before I knew specifically that this is what I wanted to do, um, there were there were persons that I believe God placed strategically, you know, um, Sister and Brother Armstrong, my pastors, um, that they would guide me, they would see that and they helped to nurture that. But I do recall when I was much younger, I had a dream um, that the Lord had said to me, and I didn't know at the time that it was him, that I should still hold hold on to my Spanish. I still don't know what I'm going to do with Spanish in Africa, <laughs> but I was told to hold on to Spanish. And even though I don't get a chance to speak it as much and it's locked away somewhere in my brain, even as I did my studies, I still try to keep um, with my Spanish. He also, um, as I've said on many occasions, I really didn't like people. And so with my interaction with God and saying, hmm, how can this being love me without knowing me, forgive me without knowing me. And then I should turn my back on others when I've received this joy. It's as if he placed that in my heart now to say, I need you to reach others. That joy that I have given you, I need you to pass it on to others. And that is how that desire to see people come to Jesus came about. And to your question specifically about leaving, I think because even my father confessed to me the other day that he knew that I wasn't going to be around for so long, as in with the family physically, um, because he knew that there was something else that God was calling me to um, from I was a child. So as I said, there are a lot of persons around me who seem to have known, but I did not, <laughs> did not. No, for sure. But I, I I love to see how God works. Nothing is um, a mistake. He just kind of lines things up. And in due time, we just see how the alignment comes together and we go, but wait, that means you had this planned out all along. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, it's just amazing to see everything come together though. So Carlos, I like to know people for fun. And so what do you enjoy doing for fun? 
oh, I love cooking. The kitchen is my sanctuary. My, my, <laughs> my family knows that uh, once I step into the kitchen, I need my space. I don't want anyone in there with me. And in a few, in a few hours, you can sit at the table, you will enjoy something because I put my heart and soul in it. You know that Americans would have a saying, oh, you put your foot in it. When I finish <laughs> times, my my family will tell me, oh, you put your entire body in it, not just your foot. <laughs> so, I love cooking and baking because I love to see when persons enjoy um, what I've prepared. If they don't enjoy it, then I, it's a bad day. That's <laughs> What's your favorite thing, favorite thing to cook? Okay, so there is a skillet roast chicken that I do. So I put a bed of sweet potatoes and I, um, how would you say we open out the chicken, we cut the spine out and we butterfly it, yes. And I would stuff the seasonings underneath the skin along with butter and rub it with olive oil and allow that to marinate. And then I would roast that um, about at 400 degrees Fahrenheit for about an hour and a half. And the skin comes out nice and crispy and all the flavors get to the sweet potatoes. Listen to this guy. I feel like we're on the Food Network. (laughs) Listen, I think that we need to take a field trip. No, no, no. I think you need to come to the Dominican Republic. (laughs) Please. I love it. I love it. And we serve that up with some rice and peas and a nice tall glass of refreshing, some juice, carrot juice, um, June plum juice, some fruit juice. And it's really lovely. Wow. So is there anything, Carlos, that you have already done any research about, like any foods in Africa that you're looking forward to trying? Or is that not even a place that you've gone to yet in your mind with with cooking? Oh, no, man, I have. I have have several lists um, of things. Uh, My list have changed, though, because um, instead of going directly to South Africa right now, I'll be going to Kenya. And so I am in the process of researching the types of food there. As a matter of fact, up to last evening, I was looking at some of the various foods that they have there and was just so, so surprised by some of the similarities in terms of the food that they have there. I saw on YouTube um, that they have this roasted cassava that they season with, um, with um, chili peppers and um, use a um, lime or lemon juice on it and it gives us flavor and they do um cassava chips which we do as well here but they make it spicy and so i'm just looking at the variation so i'm excited to try those things um, but i'm I'm, sh- I'm shifting away from south africa um it, it, just a little bit to understand more of the kenyan culture because i started to immerse myself in the south african culture so much i started learning about their fast food because i hear this place there is really good chicken licking <laughs> I really want to try it, um, but I'll just have to hold off until I get a chance to get to go there. So I'm researching more about the Kenyan food at the moment because I've been mandated um, by the persons around me that when I return, uh, my first assignment is to make a full three course, four course African <laughs> meal. <laughs> The sending church has spoken. <laughs> they have spoken. That's awesome. So, so let me let me just say, uh, some people don't know, but the regional office is in South Africa, in in the Africa region. But tell us a little more. Why will you be sent to Kenya and not South Africa then? All right. So, um, what is happening is that. Yesterday, I believe, or the day before, the government of South Africa said that they're not allowing certain persons from certain countries to enter 
into, into South Africa at this time. And so we had thought from before, well, I do believe now that it was God's inspiration um, because it, there were some difficulties with um, visa applications into South Africa. And then the, the, they were, there was a backlog of applications. We had decided that, you know, it would be maybe a year, maybe two years um, before they would be able to clear that backlog before I would then be able to apply. So I would need to be on the continent. It's just an hour difference in terms of, of time, time zone from for Kenya and South Africa. So it would be better if I'm there with my team, at least just an hour difference so I can have meetings at a more respectable <laughs> hour and not two, three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so, wow. so, yeah, so that was the thinking behind that. And then we just saw how God worked it out because even though their borders are now open, they still would not have been, I still would not be able to go there directly as a Jamaican at this time because there is a travel ban um, instituted for them. It seems like a really good solution, and, and we'll be praying for you. Those who are listening to this, this will be right when you are arriving in uh, in Kenya, or maybe we'll have been there one one week or so. And yes, so, yes. Uh, so this is pretty new, even though you have, as you've said, been the acting regional finance coordinator with two two o'clock in the morning meetings uh, at different points from Jamaica. So let's yeah. let's kind of continue with some more questions. You were talking about like some of the things you've done to prepare yourself, like with food and even your travel arrangements and visas and things. What are some other yeah. things that you've done to prepare yourself for this ministry specifically? Once you found out that, you know, this is what God was calling you to, how have you prepared yourself? Well, once I found out that this was what God wanted to do, I don't know what happened specifically, but once I went into um, praying, I realized that he started bringing back persons that I did not, at that point in time in my life, realize that he had strategically placed them to help shape my outlook. And so I went through like about a month or two months of just contacting persons and telling them thanks for what they have done and how their impact, their influence had given um such a different outlook um, in life. And I believe that was God. So I went through an entire about two months of just reaching out to persons. God just, every time I went through my devotions, God was just saying, um, I need you to go back and tell this person thanks. I recall though, that one of the things that really spurred um, into action was after the announcement was made um, at our district assembly here in Jamaica, this was from in March or so, um, there was a, an NMI president. Um, I remember her being the NMI president from I was a child, as in young, young child. I remember her being the NMI president. And after the announcement was made, you know, I did my ugly cry in front of everyone. <laughs> and I came down and she greeted me on the outside and she grabbed my hands. And she said to me that this morning, she said to God, if he's going to allow her to leave this life and not see a missionary rise up from our church in Jamaica. And she held my hand and I just started crying again. I'm getting emotional as we speak again, um, because I here I am thinking I've done the ugly cry already. She comes, says this, and I'm all <laughs> in tears again. Um, so yeah, and that was a part of it in terms of the preparations. Um, I've gone out, met with persons um, in the various local churches to let them know that this is something that God has called me to. I 
sat and had the discussion with my parents who were not surprised by this in any way, shape or form. It was just a matter of time for them. Um, spoke with my pastor and the district superintendent, um, you know, had meetings with my friends to let them know that, hey, this is what God is doing. Um, some of them looked at me to say, hmm, this looks crazy, but you're Carlos. And for some reason, everything works. So once you say God says, it just works out. And, and <laughs> I just go. So because it, it does, it didn't seem logical and it still doesn't seem logical um, because everything and if this was a virtual thing, I could show you my, my prayer and fasting list. I mean, literally, when I got the call from um, Sister Armstrong that these were open and um, that positions were um, open and they're looking for persons to serve in this capacity, I was about two things short of my, my list, uh, my prayer and fasting list. And when the call finally came that, you know, we're considering you for this position, my sister says to me, um, what will be your excuse now? <laughs> uh, because if you go back through your list, everything that you have asked the Lord for, he has granted. And this was the final thing on the list, as in how can you serve him more? And this is what he's asking you to do. What that involved was me giving up everything else I had prayed for. Everything else I had prayed for. And I'm like, God, are you serious? And then she says to me, you continuously say to me that God has a funny sense of humor. Did you put any timelines on any of these things that you've requested? So he gave it to you, but you didn't ask him for how long. And so <laughs> he gave it to you and said, hey, you had it. Enjoy. Now I need you to give it up and follow me. Wow. And so I gave it up. And so it, it, it's been a process. I don't think I'm through just yet because I have some more persons and some more things to do. Um, but yeah. I have met with my team in South Africa virtually. We've been meeting as regularly as we possibly can, um, talking through certain things, um, praying together, um, trying to build that team, um, being connected more in the spirit um, because we are now in physical, not say physical, but virtual physical contact with each other. Um, so these are some of the things that I've been doing. I haven't started packing yet. That's one of the things <laughs> I need to do. <laughs> Nice. Well, actually, I wanted to ask you about that because uh, when I heard a, a little bit about your story, someone told me, like, it seems like God is telling you pretty much all the time to wait. So I want to know, how did you feel this time, like, during this global situation to wait to go to Africa? Ah, that what can I, I'm going to be very honest with you. That was disappointing. Really, really disappointing because I was so excited. It's like, yes. I'm ready to go after I had reconciled everything in my head. I was like, yes, I'm ready to go. And God goes, whoops, one moment. I have a pandemic to just sprinkle here a bit. Just give me a few. And I, I took a step back and I said, God, why does this always seem to happen? Um, every time, and, and brother and sister Armstrong could tell you, would let you know that, you know, it has happened time and time before. Something always comes up. And I said, you know what, this time around, I'm just going to trust you. I am not going to allow this, uh, um, any bitterness to seep in. Um, I'm not going to allow the doubt to creep in. Don't get me wrong. There were times that it was coming in, um, but I purposed in my spirit that regardless of what happens, I'm going to push through. But I won't say to you that I was not a bit disappointed initially, but I said that, you know, God must know what he's doing. And then time and time and again, he just keeps proving himself. Because even with, um, just to give you a short story, and tell me if I'm going over too much, um, 
my I, when I needed to get my car sold, uh, initially, I put it up on the market and then nothing happened. And then persons just started to volunteer to help me out of nowhere, didn't ask um, to help me get this information out there. Um, so finally got a call from someone. And I want you to follow me with this one. I got a call from someone who said that they would, they're interested in the car, but the person who is interested in purchasing the car actually lives in Barbados. <laughs> they are returning home to Jamaica and they liked my vehicle. Wow. And so I said, fine, no problem. And I met up with this person. And whilst he was there viewing the vehicle, I realized he was on FaceTime with someone. And I heard the voice and I said, this voice sounds so familiar. May I see with whom you're speaking? And he turns the phone around. And believe it or not, or not the person who was interested in purchasing my car was a group mate from university <laughs> that had left a few years ago and he's returning. And he just turned to him and said, oh, this is Carlos. We don't need to check anything else. It's fine. We'll purchase it. Oh, <laughs> wow. But wow. then to take it a bit further, he decided that he was going to take out a loan to purchase the car. And it just so happens that the bank that he was using was the same one that I used. And the loans officers sat right beside each other. So they literally just went, okay, here's a file. Here you go. That was <laughs> wow. That's <laughs> amazing. That is awesome. I uh, just yes. want to tell you, Carlos, from hearing the way that you are able to see God at work in your life, you are going to be a missionary that when you come back on home assignment, like anybody listening to this podcast right now, schedule Carlos Gordon for a home assignment speech because I can tell you, I, I can already hear the way that God knits your story together and how yeah. you can see his fingerprints over everything. And uh, to me, it's super encouraging to know that he has confirmed your call time after time after time and through so many people. And um, I, just, I just think it's so cool, the talent that you have of seeing God at work in your life. And uh, so my recommendation to any of our listeners would be like, when you know that you're coming back in two years for a home assignment time, make sure that you get Carlos Gordon on your schedule. <laughs> you're going to have some great stories to tell. I have a feeling. Yep, yep, I'm excited. In full disclosure, one of the reasons we are interviewing uh, Carlos right now, if you're listening to this, is that we, we would love for you to pray for Carlos specifically. Yeah. This is the, the first time, in, at least that I've heard, I, I, I always am careful because there could have been in previous generations somebody sent from Jamaica that I'm not aware of. But at least in, in the last 20 years that I know of, uh, this is one of the first missionaries really that has been sent from Jamaica and like, let's support him. Let's yeah. pray. Let's also give, you know, there are ways to do that. We'll put those in the show notes as well. Uh, there's literally a site through the church of the Nazarene where you can just go and, and make a pledge monthly. You know, he needs that with he through the prayers and the faithfulness in giving is the only way that we as missionaries are able to do what we do. So mm -hmm. that's my little plug, but I think we have time for maybe a few more questions. Anybody else have one? I would like to know, so, and maybe it's not so much for you, Carlos, but for our listeners to understand this. My experience in like receiving my missionary call is um, 
Lots of people always assumed that missionaries go out and all day they're standing on street corners preaching the gospel and they're or they're church planting or they're dragging people to the feet of Jesus, whatever the case may be. <laughs> um, how did you reconcile or how did you explain that your missionary call is actually office work, more or less like you are a finance coordinator and that is a missionary job and a vital one yeah so i get that question a lot especially from my my fellow jamaicans i know they just love me so much that they they want to know but this doesn't seem right this seems like you're going to do office work and i had to explain to them that you know we all have our different giftings in the church some they preach some teach and some of us we sit behind the scenes we are the ones who ensure that when you when the person who preaches and teaches when they go that they have the requisite funds available to them that their rooms are set up that their airplane flights are booked that everything because to be honest with you there are different persons with different giftings and some persons like i love my 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 pastor reverend smith but he knows and he admits it he is not an administrator. And so he needs someone to help organize him. And so that's what we do behind the scenes. We ensure that when you send your gifts for this particular project that maybe Brother Armstrong or another missionary has, they have come home from home assignment and say that this is what is happening in this part of the world. When you give that gift, we ensure that it gets from your hands to the right persons on the field so that it can accomplish the work of God. If someone doesn't do it, you will have it, they need it, and there's no go-between. So we're the go-between. We're the runarounds. We're the worker bees. We're ensuring that everything is okay behind the scenes. We're ensuring that things moving are moving. And so it is not one of the quote-unquote glamorous missionary positions, but we do know that God has a purpose for us. We understand persons who are in um, missionary administration, we know that we are not getting any praises from any man or seeing anyone is going to see our faces and say, oh, yes, that is the revolutionary missionary I've been telling you about. We sit there and we fine tune and we check everything to make sure that all the I's are dots and the T's are crossed. And it's what God has placed in us. And it's definitely a calling um, for you because it can get really boring really fast. And so if you don't have that calling on your life, you might not be able to survive it. Um, yeah, it, it is tedious work, but you know that it's unto God and that inspires you. If I should say to you, oh, um, you know, how, how do you feel about organizing meetings, ensuring that um, the minutes are taken well and that they're documented that years from now, someone will pick it up and to say, oh, yes, this meeting was had at this point in time. This decision was taken um, because of that reason. You go, oh, goodness. But me, that excites me. Um, project planning, um, working um, behind the scenes to ensure that everything goes okay, that everything runs seamlessly. If we put together events and functions and there's no problem, there's no complaints, that is our thanks. We feel immensely proud for a job well done because we know that nobody knows who we are. It doesn't matter that they don't know who we are, but God is pleased. When he looks at us, he goes, hmm, this is a job well done, my son. This is a job well done, my daughter. And you just feel ugh, good inside <laughs> that, we just, that we have done a good job. So if that is not something that you are called to do, that's okay because there's another calling for you, but this is what we're called to do. 
Bro, the, the, name, the name of this podcast is The Worthless Servants, man. You are like, I should, you should be our promoter, man. You, you said it in ways that were just so much better than we could have said it, you know, and just awesome job. You know, um, I, I wanted to encourage you too, Carlos, that um, I think even when you get there, that you'll see the missionary call side of even administration, especially for a regional position, is you are going to be the connecting piece for, I don't know how many nations are in the African region, but you are literally going to have to start to speak and understand the heart language of people dealing with money and finances from multiple nations, multiple countries. Uh, and the way I know enough about Africa to know they are so relational and they maybe take a little bit more time in some countries than other places. And so God's going to use that call to like love culture and love people through your gifting as you are the host of those meetings and say, even though this isn't exactly the way that I thought that it would be, God's going to continually say, but I've given you a love for the nations mm -hmm. and you yes. are doing this for me because you love the nations the way that mm -hmm. I love the nations. And and I have come to to truly believe anybody that's in a regional finance position needs to have a missionary call because they deal with so many nations and cultures. They really need to love people in order to do an administrative job. Yeah. I agree with you totally. Um, just to give you an example, we I we were arranging a meeting the other day um, to uh, train someone in how to use Project Serve. And for some reason, it slipped through the cracks that I was an English speaker and he is a French speaker. I do not speak French. So it was an interesting meeting on Saturday trying to go into Google Translate and type what I'm saying, copy and paste into a Zoom meeting to try and ensure that we are on the same page. So a meeting that should have taken maybe 25, 35 minutes ended up taking an hour, an hour and a half, but it didn't feel painful. I know some persons would have gotten annoyed and said, oh, we should have made these arrangements. But that's what I'm talking about, the passion. Once God places that in you, as you all would know, he just... It, his burden just it, it just feels so light. You just go through it because you know it's onto him. And about that, about being a, a missionary in the finance position, believe me, um, as you would know, in recent times with the with the, the dip in um, um, WEF giving, we had to make some adjustments to our budgets. And when I sat with the RD, when I was saying to him, you know, uh, this is very painful for me to do because. When I look at the numbers and the figures, I don't just see, oh, $300, $100. I'm looking at this and I'm seeing if I should take $100 from this budget here, this is what the impact would look like on the field in terms of this missionary being able to carry out his or her function. And it's, it, it's, it, it, became, it became heavy on me at, at one point in time to say that, no, I had to stop and I had to pray and I'm like, God, you know what you're doing. I'm just going to ask you to just direct me because looking at it, I after hearing the stories, reading the reports of what are happening, the things that are happening on these fields, I couldn't just slash budgets like that just to say, okay, I need to get down to this figure. It took a lot of praying and it, 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 it's exhausting emotionally. Um, but, you know, you get that revitalization that is needed spiritually when you go and see God's face. And persons would say, you're just looking at a budget. <laughs> Why do you need to go in prayer and fasting and all emotional about a budget? But when you know how much that seemingly small amount 
the impact that it can have, the lives that can be saved through that, you think twice before slashing a budget. How different would the church be if we, if all of our local churches fasted and prayed before they set their budgets? Yes. Incredible. Yes. Well, I know your time is coming to a close and we want to be uh, respectful of that. Uh, But you have, man, you have Mm -hmm. just started us off here today just with a with an exciting word. Uh, We want to bless you. And so, first of all, I'm going to ask Emily where other people can get a hold of of us. And then, of course, Carlos's missionary profile. And then we just want to pray a blessing over you. Okay, well, I am going to give you first, I would love for you to go find Carlos's profile over anything else. So the easiest way to find it is Nazarene, N-A-Z-A-R-E-N-E dot org. And there's a search function on the very right hand corner and just type in Carlos Gordon and it'll pull up his page and you can read his testimony. You can give him an offering. Uh, There's a lot of things that you can find on there. And if you feel like you can't get that far, you can find us on Facebook and we can help redirect you to that. Or if you just have a question that you want us to filter to Carlos and our Facebook page is the Worthless Servants Podcast. You can also follow us on Spotify. I think this is episode 90. This is going to be 93. So if you're loving this episode and you want to hear 92 more binge worthy, go follow (laughs) us on Spotify and you can find the whole library there. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to ask you, Carlos, if you would extend your hands. And this is kind of just a physical way of saying I'm receiving the blessing. Right. And then all of us, I'm going to ask if we would extend our hands towards him. Right. And from Dominican Republic to Jamaica, we're just going to bless you right now. Father, thank you for this day. And I thank you for Brother Carlos Gordon. He is already involved in your kingdom, involved in cross-cultural missionary work from Jamaica. But now in a few moments, in a few days, he will be going to Africa. Lord, I pray that he would develop a love for Kenya, a love for South Africa, a love for every culture and every nation that is there. Lord, I pray that you would just help. Help give him wisdom, even as he has said about budgets, about uh, about all these different important things. Some of us would say, "Ah, oh, there's so much minutia, there's so much behind the scenes, uh, just daily work that needs to be done." But he, you can sense his passion. May he never lose that, and may he be a voice for our region and for the world on what it means to serve you, Lord. In your name, we pray a blessing over this man, over this missionary, over our colleague, and over our friend. In your name, we pray, Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you. And thank you for having me. Thanks for being with us. Well, good. Thank you very much, Carlos. Well, I think that's time to sign off. We are the Worthless Servants, and I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm AJ Fry. I'm Chelsea Fry. I'm Natalie Franco. I'm Emily Armstrong. And I'm Carlos Gordon. And we'll talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at MesoAmericaGenesis.org.